This time on episode 301 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., we discuss Runaways, season 2, episode 10, Hostile Takeover, and season 2, episode 11, Last Waltz. We also go over weekly Marvel news and your feedback. I'm David S. Dawson from the Intellectual Podcast, a show that spotlights creatives from all walks of life. Part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other incredibly geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. You have been granted clearance by director Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Stand by for a shield debriefing. All information to be discussed here is classified and may only be discussed among agents granted clearance by the S.H.I.E.L.D. director. Now it's time for your scheduled debriefing. I'm Director SP. I'm Agent Lauren. And I'm Agent Michelle. Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. We're a Marvel Comic Universe fan show. And this show is recorded on Sunday, September 22nd, 2019, live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios and broadcast everywhere Marvel is via www.geeks.live. Come on and join our live chat as we record. Ladies, happy Hobbit Day. Woo! Yay, Tolkien. I am showing my Tolkien-inspired tattoo right now. I'm such a Hobbit. Have breakfast. Have second breakfast. Then I have early afternoon snack, lunch, dinner, supper. Did you miss 11 Z's? Yeah, whatever. I just, yeah, I'm such a hobbit. Yeah, I'm hobbit-sized. I love food. I love booze. And naps. And naps. And uh, yes, very much love Tolkien. Yes, today is, as according to the books and movies, I don't know why I said movies like that. I love the movies. Frodo and Bilbo's joint birthdays. Yeah, this is Tolkien Week, and today is Hobbit Day, as declared by the Tolkien Society, the American Tolkien Society, in 1978. So this has been going on for a while. Yesterday, the 21st, is actually the anniversary of The Hobbit being published, if I remember correctly. Thus, Tolkien Week, because there's a whole week dedicated to it. It's great. Anyway, we're not here talking about Tolkien or Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit or anything like that. We're here talking about Marvel. So we're just going to continue on with the show. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a fan-based podcast on the ABC television show Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the multiple Marvel small screen series, and the Marvel Cinematic and Comic Book Universes in general. Because of quinceañeras. If you'd like to talk to us about quinceañeras, please visit our website, legendsofshield.com. You can call us at our voicemail, 844-THE-BUS-1. That's 844-843-2871. We're on Facebook, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. Podcast. We're also on Twitter, at Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. You can see us on YouTube, youtube.com slash gunnageek. You can also tell your Amazon device to enable Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. skill. You can join our Discord server chat at gunnageek.com slash discord. And remember, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a proud member of the GunnaGeek.com network. We are all proud members of the GunnaGeek.com network, including Haley, who unfortunately could not be with us this week. She thought she might be able to make it, but at the last minute, she said she couldn't make it. So it's just the three of us again. 
This is episode 301. It's the one after 300, so it's okay. We can do without her, but it was important to have her last week, so we're glad that she was there. Also, thank you very much for everybody who sent us well wishes on our 300th. That was great, and we'll have some feedback later on in the show. In the meantime, we're going to get back on track and talk about some runaways. We are talking the penultimate Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast on the Runaway Season 2, but it's not the penultimate Runaway Season 2 episode. We are talking about Hostile Takeover and Last Waltz, which both aired on Hulu as with the rest of the second season on December 21st, 2018. Michelle, who directed the episodes? Hostile Takeover was directed by Jeffrey W. Bird, who has 29 directing credits starting in 1994 including five episodes of Soul Food, one Switched at Birth, one of the originals, two Light as a Feather, two episodes of Runaways, one Black Lightning, four episodes of The New Dynasty, and two episodes of The New Charm. This episode was written by Ashley Wigfield, who has four rating credits starting in 2017, including one episode of Jean-Claude Van Johnson, one of Great News, and three episodes of Runaways. And Lauren, we also had Last Waltz. What was the creative team behind that one? The creative team for this one, well, we start off with the director, Ramsey Nickel, who has two directing credits starting in 2017 with three episodes of Runaways and one of American Crime, but also has 50 credits as a cinematographer going all the way back to 1996. The episode was also written by Tracy McMillan, who has 11 writing credits starting in 1997, including three of Life on Mars, one of Mad Men, two of Necessary Roughness, two of Runaways, two of United States of Terra, one of Journeyman, which I loved and only lasted a few episodes. But yeah, kind of a new-ish team, but not inexperienced. Not inexperienced at all. I mean, there's some great shows in there. Dynasty. Okay. Charmed. Okay. But yeah, the the rest are really good. Life on Mars. Is that the American Life on Mars? I forgot what you said there with Tracy. Uh, I believe it is. Okay. Let me double check. They were both decent series. So I haven't seen either. Yeah. Yes, it was the American one. Okay. So these episodes of The Runaways, this TV series is based on the Marvel comics by Brian K. Vaughn and Adrian Alfano. Okay, we're going to go over the meaning of the titles, and we're just going to take them one at a time. Hostile Takeover and Last Waltz. So, Michelle, I think we're going to go to you first. What do you think about Hostile Takeover? Well, we have AWOL trying to do a hostile takeover of the bunker, for lack of a better word. We've got the... Jonah creatures, I don't really know what to call them, the alien lights who are trying to take over Tina and Victor. And then we've got Frank taking over the church because as Leslie said, it's the role of a lifetime. She knows her husband so well. And then Lauren, last waltz. What do you got with that? Okay, well, in the show, it's the last waltz that they had before Everything kind of went 
Okay, I'm trying to censor the phrase I was going to use, but uh, everything kind of went uh, a little bit uh, unfortunate. But it's actually kind of an interesting inversion on the actual quinceanera tradition, where, tra- okay, so back in the day in Mexican culture, girls were not supposed to dance in public. So that waltz was supposed to be like her public debut and the first public dance she could ever have. It's not the case anymore. But instead of a first waltz, we have a last waltz. Hmm. Okay. I think we have a last waltz because Chase leaves right after the dance. I think that's why I called it last waltz. But I I don't know. Uh, We can talk about that later. Let's go back to the hostile takeover and. We've got AWOL who's being very gutsy and he's kidnapping everybody that he can in order to get the kids because pride has a lot of money and power. So he's going after them. He ends up convincing somehow, uh, probably because he's threatening to kidnap or did kidnap her nephew. It's her nephew, right? The baby, her nephew and tomorrow's child. And uh, she takes him Libby takes AWOL and the strike team to the hideout and there ensues a negotiation a very tense negotiation and hostage situation and lots of guns and everything like that and uh, there was a battle and basically the runaways were losing but then Nico or the staff or both performed this really weird thing so lauren what's going on with that nico and the staff okay this is not from the comics but i do like it in the show where it's kind of more taxing on her willpower as well as apparently having some form of sentience of its own so she she talks about how when she killed jonah it had been kind of talking to her and being like oh yeah this is right and it's it's kind of portrayed a bit as a contest of wills, sort of. I get the feeling, Michelle, correct me if I'm wrong, but I get the feeling that the staff was just taking over. The staff was either in self-protect mode or whatever. It came to Nico and forced Nico to make a move. And Nico's scared of that right now, right? Forced isn't like the right word. Okay. She did two very intense spells. First was camouflage which she was making the entire outside look like you know a terrain but because alex doesn't know how to find cameras they've figured out oh this is not just a hill they are in there then afterwards she did fortress which was closing everything up both times she said it's very difficult it's very taxing because she has to hold it she has to put energy into the staff and the staff feeds off of that energy and they're kind of forming this relationship during their plan to let the strike team in and they had this plan nico passed out because she did those very two big spells so she was in basically an unconscious state and it's like the staff knew she was in trouble perhaps she knew her subconscious knew she was in trouble however it happened the staff came and she was able to rise up like that really weird just 
come up off the floor and did get out. And if you notice, her eyes are changed and it has something to do with like the symbiotic nature of the staff in her. And she tries to sever it. Spur alert. It's not severed, but it's not forced. Force isn't the right word. I wanted to actually talk about that moment where she uses the staff at that moment and her eyes get that cracked effect that where have we seen it before? Doctor Strange with Caecilius and his followers. If you go back in our archives, you can find us talking about this. There's a character in that movie who was supposed to have been Tina Minoru, Nico's mom. And I'm wondering if this is a hint to that. Could be. I honestly don't know. I did re- think of the eyes and the way I took it was that in and, and you've We've explained it a little bit further, Michelle, was that it was the staff was forcing its will on her, and that's why she was kind of transforming. But obviously, we have more to deal with with the staff in the future. We didn't get much in the second episode. We're hoping to get some of that and the history behind it in the last two episodes of the season. All right, Michelle, we also had an amazing event going on with Leslie and the church and her mom and Frank and just every the whole church drama minus Jonah is in this episode. First, you have Leslie throwing everything away and saying that it's BS. I can't actually quote her because of we're on air. And Frank comes and he's just like, this is his original dream journal. This is your first this. These are artifacts of the church. And she just went, she thinks because Jonah was a lie, everything about the church is a lie. What, what it really is, everything's about Leslie's life is a lie. They probably have twisted David's teachings, but whatever has come about, the church is technically still real. The foundation has seems to have shifted and changed. But Frank was able to convince the Shining Twins that Leslie needs to be reconditioned. I love that moment when she's like in the chair. She's like, oh, please, I invented this. And she ends up in the desert where she finds out that her mom didn't just leave her or anything. She got permanently sent to the desert where they don't have names. They just have a number, which is weird. It's sad. The Scientology parallels are very strong in this episode. I don't know how much anybody here knows about some of the workings of Scientology, but there's this whole program where if you mess up, you get sent to do your penitence by doing hard labor. It's really awful. I'm not sure they go so far as to take away your name and give you numbers, which is what they do here. But it's all part of the process of dehumanizing somebody and making them earn back their humanity. And the only way you can do that is by rebrainwashing yourself by saying, "Okay, yes, I agree to this. And eventually it's like 1984. You've always loved Big Brother. And you really see that with Leslie's mom, where she's been here for decades. And even her daughter reaching out to her isn't enough to break that programming. It's awful. And it's something that happens in organizations that exist today. I mean, it's not without precedent. And 
as shown on the screen, it's terrifying. Susan was labeled aphonic, so without light, and she was sent there. But Leslie ascertains that it was probably because she didn't agree with Jonah. And so she was basically excommunicated to this camp and has been there ever since. I'm kind of shocked that with Leslie running the church that she's never run into Susan before, maybe she has just didn't recognize her. I don't know. Leslie was pretty young when Jonah took over. Well, there's also the fact that not just Scientology, but a lot of religious organizations, you try to get the negative people out, whether it's in like FLDS churches, they actually drive people to like the outskirts of the town and just leave them there. In Jehovah's Witnesses, they excommunicate you and you're not supposed to talk to that person ever again. And you combine that very deep religious belief with the fact that Leslie was being groomed from a young age. So you want to get rid of the people who are going to be protecting her. And what better way to do that than to use the assets that you have with the church? It's horrific. This episode really got to me with that. That was awful. Frank and the Shining Twins are definitely at the heart of trying to keep the church going because it means a lot to them and they're all in and they want to continue to go at Vaughn. On the other hand, Vaughn is a little bit more human and it's obvious in this episode, if you haven't caught it before that he is completely infatuated with Carolina. So he wants to have some sort of relationship with her friendship, romantic, something like that. He just wants to be around her. And that I think is what is keeping him around. He is at the corner of some really weird stuff going on with the church. And he almost broke when he brought Leslie into the reconditioning room, but he didn't, he walked away. So he's got to be really conflicted. Think about it. It's the equivalent of excommunicating the Pope. Yeah. Which I mean, granted has been done before, not recently, but talk to me about my knowledge of weird religious stuff. It's fun. Well, talking about weird dis- disappearances, we already talked about Nico and the staff. She says, get out to AWOL and the strike team. And they literally just vanish. Their clothes, their weapons, their possessions stay there. But the entire bodies are gone. I don't think they're dead. I mean, they could be. They could be vanished to hell the way Constantine would or something like that. But I think they've just been transported somewhere. And that's just, it's kind of weird. I have a theory, but Michelle, I want to hear from you first. Michelle might not be able to tell because she has I've seen-, seen it and I don't want to spoil. So go ahead. Okay. So my theory based on the whole Caecilius-esque I crack things is that it has something to do with the dark dimension that we found out about in Doctor Strange. Maybe they were transported into a weird mirror dimension by accident. Maybe. I don't know, but I think it definitely has something to do with Dr. Strange-esque magic, something that we've seen there before. I think the eyes were a hint beyond an Easter egg. Oh, I forgot about the eyes from Dr. Strange. Yeah, that could be it. Hashtag it's all connected could be actually true. All right. I mean, we'll see. I, again, I have not seen the last two episodes, so I don't know. That's my pronostication, if you will. All right, Michelle, 
we have been talking about the aliens and what happened with the aliens with the ship. We've got some really weird behavior from Stacy and Victor and Tina. You wanted to talk about that. So what exactly is going on with them? Remember when Jonah died and the ship blew up? There were those three lights and then there was Jonah. And so far we've seen changes in behavior in Victor and Tina and Stacy. And it's that whole thing when in that Jonah episode, when he talked about his life, talking about how when the being jumps from body to body, there's a fight and eventually the dominant personality will lose. And it seems as though at least Tina and Victor have lost because there's that moment in the lab where Tina is like Victor and he's like, no, and Tina, no. And they realize that. Yeah, they're, they found two. Two of them have found each other. And then we see Victor go around with missing my other two friends. Please call. And then he goes to the doctor. We later learn that he didn't actually get to see the doctor because the phone message said, hey, you missed your appointment. Can we reschedule? I'm wondering if there is something that would show up on a medical scan if your body is being inhabited by one of these aliens. I'm betting probably because... So we know that Jonah got really gross and I don't know how much of that was age and how much of that was an alien possessing him. Good point. We did see that he said he wanted to stay in human form because of his daughter, but we didn't get the actual note of what is actually causing it. Is it because the human body is just getting old because he's getting old or because the inhabitation actually takes a toll on the body. We just didn't get any of that. Actually, in the episode where we see Jonah, the preacher actually has that white weirdness, and that's why he's in quarantine. They think it's some sort of disease. It's a combination of that. That alien life form is going to take energy from a human. And the body, we have to have energy in order to grow and develop. And then you've got this alien who probably needs even more. So it's probably this weird, it just drains and eventually our old age and the alien not be able to get enough energy. Eventually, it's just got to find a new host. So it's like a parasite. Yeah. So if you find yourself inhabited by an alien, you should just drink a lot of Red Bulls to make sure you have a lot of energy to give to the alien. I, I can't in good conscience recommend that. Neither can I. I tried, uh, what was it, Rockstar, Diet Rockstar one t- point in time, but the I think it's the intense vitamin B that they put in there. It just gives me a really big headache, so I can't do I, it. I just can't do any of the flavors. Um, it's, all, it's all sickly, just very sickly sweet. From what I hear in college, Red Bull and vodka is all the rage, but I could never do that. No, the one energy drink that I could drink only lasted a couple months on the market. It was Coke Black. Oh, I remember. I don't know if anybody else remembers that. It was like Coke mixed with coffee. That was the only one I could drink, and it only lasted a couple months because everyone else thought it was gross. Well, it's like Jolt, right? All the sugar and twice the caffeine or whatever the thing was behind that, which I still think you can get Jolt some places. I think you can. Yeah. It's like Surge. You can you can find Surge again in some places. Surge. What was that uh, TV show, uh, ABC TV show with 
the 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 two roommates that were buddies whatever and then the guy who played the um the foreigner ended up in oh uh perfect strangers perfect strangers right and the guy who played the foreigner ended up in uh, beverly hills cop and he played serge never really watched beverly hills cop all right well i guess it's a guy thing i've seen it over and over again so another person that's in trouble is Old Lace because Old Lace decides to stay behind and voice her displeasure with her capture at the end when Chase and Gert get rescued and she discovers that she can be tranquil. I assume it's tranquilized. I assume nothing more happened to Old Lace than she was tranquilized, but Old Lace is in trouble. Yeah, this whole thing with the Yorkses and Old Lace and Gert and Chase Again, deeply uncomfortable. We have... Okay, so I'm pretty sure it was whatever was... Whatever parasite is in Stacy that's making her act weird. But we find out that she poisoned old lace to try to get them to make her come back there. And that's what's been causing both old lace and Gert to be very sick. I just want to say that a couple episodes ago, I called it. Michelle kind of talked me down, said, no, that wasn't what happened. Tina and Stacy didn't get together and do this. But I mentioned that you know, old well, Tina and Stacy didn't get together and do it. I, I did. But it, at least Stacy was involved. That's kind of a call. It. I'm just I'm going to claim that. Wait, that's, that's what I was trying to talk you down of, of like this big, huge, bigger conspiracy thing, that train you were trying to go. It's like it's not. Trying to explain that Stacy is starting to break off and do her own thing, I thought would spoil it. So trying to, yeah, it was like, yes, you called it, but not for the reasons why you were calling it. Okay, well, that's important to denote because while Tina and Victor have this moment of getting together, Stacy has not had that moment with either the other two. Matter of fact, Stacy has had time around Tina and Tina has not recognized Stacy and Stacy has not recognized Tina. Yeah, I wonder it would be kind of interesting if both of the parasites in them disliked each other as much as Tina and Stacy do. I don't know again if that's the case, but you get stuck in the same ship for millions of years or however long it's been. Yeah, I think there's some feelings that could develop between the individuals stuck in there. But yeah, we have the Yorks is basically gaslighting Gert and Chase, being like, oh, hey, here's food. And Gert's trying to address her very serious concerns. And they're just like, no, no, eat. And then it turns out, duh, their food has been drugged. Uh, well, was all the food drugged because Tina had the pancakes and it did not affect Tina? Tina is also infected with an alien, an alien. parasite. Mm, <laughs> so okay. it could be that. But for sure, the orange juice was drugged because Chase chugged that and then, bam, just flat out, which was kind of funny. And then they give him truth serum. And that was just <sighs> funny. Oh, man. I love Gert. <laughs> we had naked times in a bed. And for his part, Dale, actually, as a parent, I got to give Dale some credit. He just went with it and was like, yes, relationships are hard sometimes. but. Here, we need to know where she is to make sure she's safe and everything. And, and Chase did not give it. I think if Tina hadn't interfered, that they would have gotten something out of Chase. But since Tina was there, Chase was able to stem off the location of the mansion. I also think that uh, 
of all the parents, they would be the ones least likely to freak out about finding out their kids were having sex with each other. Because remember, in the very first episode, they're talking about periods and masturbation. So that's right. And the with the you need this power bar or whatever it was, granola yeah. bar. Yeah. Wow. That was so, a long time ago. Yeah. But yeah, they're they're pretty, you know, upfront about that. So okay. We need to talk about the party. Last waltz, the whole thing was about Molly, her turning 15, and she didn't want to make a big deal out of it, but she kind of did want to make a big deal out of it. And they did as a family, because she's big into the family, the fact that their runaways are a family. She did go ahead and have the party. They gave her a party. So was it all that it was cracked up to be, Michelle? First off, I love shopping montage. Okay, we, we got that. That was great. And they did it up they had all those christmas lights she had a nice pretty dress they danced we got to see alex do a poor rendition of the floss it was such a beautiful moment and then for chase to do what he did when he did it's like he couldn't even wait till the morning after and that expression and the pain in her face and her voice when molly said why can't I just have one day, you know, one day when it's not just awful? And Chase couldn't even give her that. Yeah, that was painful. It was. Even Chase's discussion with Gert later, he's like, no, I'm, I've, I've grown. I'm done with this. I'm going to move on. Like, really? I don't think you've accomplished everything that you set out to accomplish. He has been all into the parents. So even to the point where he was excusing New York's treatment of him. So I don't know. So I have a theory on that. If you look at people who are abused, whether it's a child, a spouse, uh, a partner, whoever, there's a statistic that it usually takes like around seven times on average for them to leave. And Chase and his mother were both very abused by his father. So he desperately wants that love from this person who's been only loving him conditionally or withholding it or will just show sparks of it and then everything goes terribly wrong. And he keeps thinking, okay, maybe this time is the time. Maybe this time's the time that it's going to be okay. Maybe, you know, we're seeing these signs in our parents that they do love us. He just really desperately wants that love. And while the others, it was kind of a violent awakening for them that, hey, our parents aren't perfect, don't love us as much as, well, they, they do love us, but it's a very destructive love. He still is trying for that approval. And you see it every time it's specifically his dad who reaches out to him and he comes back. With his mom, he's like, yeah, I love you, but I need to do this. With his dad, his dad will show just the smallest hint of affection and that I need you, I'm sick, I need you, whatever. And Chase comes running back. And it's very true to life. It's incredibly sad. And I think that is very good uh, research and writing on the writing staff's part. I also want to give Janet a lot of credit because she's noticing something's wrong with Tina, although very awkward situations for her, given what has happened. So she's noticing something's wrong with Tina. She's noticing something's wrong with Victor. She attributes Victor to the whole Jonah experience, but 
with everything going on, she's not a dumb person. She's going to start piecing this together eventually. And at least that's what I'm thinking. And I don't know what she's going to be able to do about it, but she's got that in her future as well. In the meantime, she did a phenomenal job of manipulating Victor to find Chase without expelling any violence. It was the whole phone call thing of finding Chase and Victor himself goaded Chase into coming back. But Janet was the manipulation behind that. I got to hand it to Janet. She did that very well. So we also had a couple other things that happened in these episodes. We had an introduction of a new character, Zavin. Okay, so it's going to take me a very long time to not pronounce this Zavin because that's how I've been pronouncing it for years. This is a character who is very intimately connected with Carolina in the comics. And I believe that the writers have confirmed that she's going to be a uh, part of the show in the third season. I'm interested in seeing how her story progresses there because they've changed a lot of how they were connected in the comics. But something of that seems to have remained. I will say that in the comics, Zavin is a scroll and is gender fluid because, you know, you can shapeshift. Gender means a lot less. Well, I did notice that Zavin was touching, had to touch somebody in order to change shapes into and i was kind of attributing the fact that uh whenever zavin disappeared i just thought well maybe zavin disappeared as somebody in her the surroundings and just blended in and was not the same shape as before and i would think that a security camera could catch that like at the church when zavin went to the church and was talking to vaughn i was thinking exactly that that vaughn might alert security to the point where they would go back and check and find the shapeshifter, but I don't know. We'll see if that, maybe I'm digging too deep there. I don't know. I don't think Zavin's going to be a scroll in this. Uh, I think they're probably going to invent a new alien species. We have heard a mention of Zavin before. Jonah mentioned uh, Zavin during that whole fight. I was thinking that Zavin might be another passenger of the ship that was blown up, but We only saw three lights and, and, well, I guess Jonah, so that's like four, so I don't know. We'll see. I'm I'm trying not to speculate too much for Michelle's standpoint because she can't say anything. Michelle's got this little enigmatic smile going on. Yeah, look, I know what's (laughs) going on. You don't. Michelle, I do have a question for you. So I noticed that Alex has quite a mean side. So first of all, he goes after AWOL and like was really hitting him with the uh, fistigon. And then... He brings a gun when they were trying to get rid of Gert or trying to rescue, excuse me, Gert and Chase. He's definitely got some issues here. And I'm just what do you have to say about that? Well, I think he doesn't realize how much like his parents he is. Perhaps he's a little bit more like his mother than he wants to admit. Because thinking about it, like she is the more brutal one. I mean, yes. His father served time, but his father has a code and was trying to make things right. But his mom is still like, here, let me shoot you and frame you for murder. And uh, Alex seems to be okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. And then I have, I don't want to say anything else. I don't want to say anything else. Okay. That's. Yeah. I was just going to say that everybody seems to be showing their cracks at this point, whether it's Molly's abandonment issues, Nico's 
kind of control freak tendencies, Gert's anxiety, Chase's just instantaneous, like he absolutely needs to be loved, Alex's anger issues. It's they're all just Carolina's. I think Carolina is honestly kind of emotionally in the best place right now out of all of them because she had her crisis of faith and kind of came through it. It was interesting watching her and Nico because their dynamic switched where Nico was trying to help Carolina through her issues and now it's vice versa and they both had this standoffish of I don't want to talk about it. I want to do my own thing. So yeah, and her whole ritual. I mean, what's up with that, Lauren? Okay. Uh, this is actually a variation on a Wiccan unbinding ritual. It's if you want to unbind yourself from a person, a situation. So magic is all about symbolism. And what she's doing is kind of symbolically separating herself from these people so that they have no power over her. She has no power over them, just kind of severing that connection. If you see the names that she's burning, the staff of one is one of them. She's trying to get rid of that very intimate connection there. She's trying because she's always been, since Amy died, she's been a loner, and she's finding herself very tied in with these people and doesn't really know how to handle it. And so she's thinking this connection's a weakness. She is trying to reestablish herself, recenter herself. And as we've seen before, her Wiccan rituals bring comfort to her. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to more about the Staff of One because the Staff of One came to Nico in the fight. I got to believe that Staff of One is coming out of that wall. It's not staying in that wall. And I didn't really see her seal up the wall with any huge thing. And we'll see what happens with that in the future also to backtrack just a second one of the things that i noticed was that for the first time they treated at least the first time that i noticed they treated alex's planning superpower as a superpower like there was just this little and he was like okay i got it this is the plan and this is what we're going to do it doesn't necessarily mean that it is going to be uh successful but it was the plan that he came up with and it was i I forget it was like some sound bump or music or something that was like boom this is it so for the first time we see alex as a superpower of planning then also lauren you wanted to make a comment since you haven't been on the podcast all that much (laughs) in the last couple of months you wanted to go back and talk about the topher storyline a little bit and the differences between the comic and the show okay i don't know if Y'all have talked about it already. I'm pretty sure I'm still the only one here who's read the Runaways comics. So Topher in the comics is a character who exists. He is not somebody who is frozen. Well, he is somebody who's frozen in time. Topher in the comics is a vampire. They decided not to bring in vampires into the show. I did like the explanation they brought. I was really interested when they said, oh, we're casting Topher. I was like, Are we bringing in vampires now? What are we doing? And yeah, I liked how they did it. And just as an aside, I really loved the kind of not quite deep dive into quinceañeras in this episode, but you know, more of a deep dive than a lot of shows would do. It's a really, really important tradition for a lot of uh, Latina girls 
I didn't have one because at that when I turned 15, my anxiety was in like full blown mode. So instead we had a small get together. I did wear a pretty dress and all my family came and we had a little party at my house. But I've been in a bunch of quinceañeras as a dama, which is like the female equivalent of a chandelan, which is what Chase was on the show. So yeah, there's there's dancing and there's food and there's a whole lot of ritual associated with that. And it was it was pretty fun to see them do kind of a, a makeshift quinceañera. It was good. It was just unfortunate that uh, Chase left afterwards. So we're forced dealing with that next time. Which, Michelle, do you want to say anything about the series up to date? I know you don't want to give away too much about the last two episodes, but is there anything you want to point out before we leave The Runaways this week? One of the things that uh, we've talked about it on the show was the pacing. And considering what happens in these last four episodes, I do come away with the whole, it would have been nice if they could have moved this up a little bit and they could have. I just want to warn you that a lot happens and you will have that feeling of, man, I wish they would have moved this stuff up so we could have spent some time with it. I did notice in these two episodes this morning that stuff seemed to be happening a little bit faster. There were still some slow parts in there, but it seemed to me that the story was moving along. Maybe I'm just becoming invested in the story. I don't know. So, Lauren, is there anything you want to say about the series up to date? I'm really happy with it. I remember when they were like, oh, we're making a movie. I was like, oh, this is cool. And then I waited years and we got the TV series, which is better because we have more time to explore. Sometimes that's better. Sometimes that's not. I will reference the Inhumans. (sighs) Yeah. So anyway, next week we will talk about the penultimate and final episodes of The Runaway Season 2, Earth Angel and Split Up. And you can get your comments into us. Go ahead. You can email me, StargatePioneer at GunnaGeek.com. Looks like we have a news item about Robert Downey Jr. and the Black Widow movie. Yeah, it's a really light news week. According to Deadline's write-up of the Saturn Awards, Robert Downey Jr. is coming in as Tony Stark again. That's literally all the news that there is. And it is supposed to be at least partially a prequel. So we'll see how that goes because that's now, spoilers, two characters who are dead that we know of who are going to be in this movie. I could see him coming in more of a cameo or not, but I don't know. We'll see. What happens here? I was, I'm not shocked. I'm not surprised because his name still will sell something, but he just doesn't have to be the main character anymore. Yeah. Are you looking forward to this, Michelle? Yes. I think it's many years overdue. That's part of my problem. It should have come out uh, at least after Thor Dark World or, or something like that. We should have gotten something. We should have gotten a Black Widow movie or at least a Black Widow Hawkeye movie around that time i was more referring to robert downey jr now associated with the project okay it's fine okay okay and then we have a little bit of feedback
We got some feedback starting on Twitter. We heard from at 084. Yes, we did. 084 linked us a tweet from... Okay, well, first of all, 084 linked us the tweet with the gif of Chris Pratt in Parks and Rec going, I'm not crying, okay? And what it is is MCU Exchange made a supercut titled Avengers Forever. It's about 11 minutes long, and it's really good. Yeah, thank you very much, 084, for linking that. I wouldn't have found it otherwise. It's been a busy month for me. Yeah, it's uh, when Stan Lee shows up at the end talking about how lucky he is. I kind of lost it. Hard not to. Yeah. And we heard from Adana Girl. Yes, we did. Adana Girl said, as I was looking down the MRI tube I was in today, I noticed a tropical photo on, on the wall my feet were facing. I do not know if it was a magical place. Yep. A little bit of Tahiti there. I could see, especially if you're in an MRI machine. So I've been following her tweets and Donna girl, I know a lot's going on in your life. So thank you very much for including us in what's going on. And I hope that things are tolerable for you. I guess that's the best way to put that. Solidarity EDS buddy. You can include us anytime. In the meantime, we're going to save our own butts and get out of here before Nico tells us to get out. And I don't know what's going to happen to us then. Woohoo! Episode 301. We've done officially 301 episodes. That's incredible. So thank you very much, listener, for listening to us streaming our show downloading ours or if you happen to catch our youtube video thank you very much for watching us on youtube we really appreciate it and you guys are why we do this thank you so much everybody for sending us uh feedback for reaching out on twitter for sending us things that you know that we might be interested in we love hearing from you we love we love knowing what's going on in your lives we really love you guys thank you so much yeah, thank you for hanging around, especially since we cover older stuff while we're waiting for Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. to come along. And we really appreciate it. One more seasons of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. L- really looking forward to that. It'll be about the Meiju time in 2020. And until next time, I'm Director SP. I'm Agent Lauren. And I'm Agent Michelle. See you guys next time. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening. If you want to leave us feedback, go to gunageek.com and you will find all our contact information and other shows. You can also visit legendsofshield.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts. The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin McLeod, found at incompetech.com and also artists on pond5.com and audiojungle.net. The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., or Gunna Geek. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the property of the Disney Corporation, Marvel Studios, and ABC. No infringement is intended. Well, got the car engine in. Hey. Try to start it. Started but it was shaking the entire garage when it was running. So that was yesterday. Did a compression test today. Cylinder is one and four. It's a four cylinder.
do not have any compression. On. Yep. So, I think I've got to take the engine out again. Again? Yeah, I was just telling Lauren that I just started the engine yesterday, and it started, but it ran really rough, and I couldn't get any gas or anything. So today we did a compression test of all four cylinders. Cylinders two and three are fine at 150 PSI, which is phenomenal. That's what it's supposed to be. Cylinder one and four, nothing, not a zero. I don't know. I don't even know what's wrong. I just know that something's wrong. It could be as simple as a valve sticking. It could be something like the timing wrong, or it could be the um, rings and the seals in those two cylinders are bad. Plus, cylinder three got gunked up really quick, so I don't know what's up with that. So, yep, have to tear it all apart. But this time, I don't have to worry about new parts, like new bearings or anything, unless something's way out of tolerance. So, I don't know. We'll see. Well, I got the car engine in. Hey. Tried to start it. Started, but it was shaking the entire garage when it was running. So, that was yesterday. Did a compression test today. Cylinders one and four, it's a four cylinder, do not have any compression. On. Yep. So I think I've got to take the engine out again. Again? Yeah, I was just telling Lauren that I just started the engine yesterday and it started, but it ran really rough and I couldn't get any gas or anything. So today we did a compression test of all four cylinders. Cylinders two and three are fine at 150 PSI, which is phenomenal. That's what it's supposed to be. Cylinder one and four, nothing, not a zero. So, I don't know. I don't even know what's wrong. I just know that something's wrong. It could be as simple as a uh, valve sticking. It could be something like the timing wrong, or it could be the um, rings and the seals in those two cylinders are bad. Plus, cylinder three got gunked up really quick, so I don't know what's up with that. So. Yep, have to tear it all apart, but this time I don't have to worry about new parts, like new bearings or anything, unless something's way out of tolerance, so I don't know, we'll see. Well, I got the car engine in. Hey! Tried to start it. Started, but it was shaking the entire garage when it was running. So that was yesterday, did a compression test today. Cylinders one and four, it's a four-cylinder, do not have any compression. On. Yep. So, I think I've got to take the engine out again. Again? Yeah, I was just telling Lauren that I just started the engine yesterday, and it started, but it ran really rough, and I couldn't get any gas or anything. So today, we did a compression test of all four cylinders. Cylinders two and three are fine at 150 PSI, which is phenomenal. That's what it's supposed to be. Cylinder one and four, nothing, not a zero. I don't know. I don't even know what's wrong. I just know that something's wrong. It could be as simple as a uh, valve sticking. It could be something like the timing wrong, or it could be the um, rings and the seals in those two cylinders are bad. Plus, cylinder three got gunked up really quick, so I don't know what's up with that. So, yep, have to tear it all apart. But this time, I don't have to worry about new parts like new bearings or anything unless something's way out of tolerance so i don't know we'll see then also lauren you wanted to make a comment since you haven't been on the podcast all that much <laughs> in the last couple of months you wanted to go back and talk about the topher storyline a little bit and the differences between the comic and the show 
Okay, I don't know if y'all have talked about it already. I'm pretty sure I'm still the only one here who's read the uh, Runaways comics, and I'm very sorry if you hear any background noise. My cat is being terrible and attacking the blinds. Anyway, so Topher in the comics is a character who exists. He is not somebody who is frozen. Well, he is somebody who's frozen in time. Topher in the comics is a vampire. They decided not to bring in vampires into the show. I did like the explanation they brought. I'm going to kill this cat. <laughs> Don't kill the cat. Yeah, Lauren is not serious about killing the cat. She's just I'm annoyed with the cat. I'm not about killing the cat. He's too adorable. Um, but uh, yeah, there, there's that. And I was really interested when they said, oh, we're casting Topher. I was like, are we bringing in vampires now? What are we doing? We got some feedback on Twitter. We heard from at 084. <laughs> we almost pulled it off. We almost pulled it off. Almost did. Almost did. Oh, gosh. Okay, I'm going to redo this. We both love cats and are annoyed by them at the same time. It's it's a thing. Oh, it's just so funny. I had to, I mean, for, for a while there, I was okay, I, I just got to get our reactions on there, and I was, I was just cracking up. That was, it was fun. And then, when you, I don't know what you did, but then you came back, and I just, I just didn't give you enough time, and you're like, I, <laughs> it was just, it was I funny. I thought I was going to make it. I thought I was going to make it. You technically did. And yeah. I was holding, I was. I was like, okay, let's go. But it was just the way you plopped in your chair and then you had this, this I, surprised I look on your chair. I think I didn't have the headphones on quite right. Okay. And I looked and I was so like, like, oh no. <laughs> I, I don't know. I didn't say anyway, it was it was real funny. So that was cool. Legends of Shield is copyright 2013 through 2019.